On March 26, 2012, film director James Cameron sat inside a submarine floating just off the coast of Guam in the Pacific Ocean. He wasn't about to perform an act of movie magic. He was diving down to the deepest point in all of Earth's oceans, the Mariana Trench. To get there, Cameron crammed into a tiny coffin-shaped submarine. Inside, he could barely move from the fetal position. His descent lasted for two and a half hours. He watched out a tiny window as the sunlight faded and the water around him became pitch black and ice cold. There were fewer and fewer signs of aquatic life. When he finally reached the bottom, it was like touching down on a different planet. On the floor of the Mariana Trench, Cameron was 36,000 feet below sea level, almost seven miles underwater. He was just the third person to ever reach this depth. As such, nobody really knew what wonders or what horrors lay in store. Maybe he'd discover beautiful aquatic plants. Maybe he'd find a new oceanic species. Or perhaps he'd run into something far more deadly. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from ParCast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. This is our first episode on the Mariana Trench, the deepest point in Earth's seven oceans. Few humans have explored the trench, and scientists know very little about what kinds of creatures lurk in its depths. Today, we'll cover some expeditions into the Mariana Trench and explore the bizarre organisms that call it home. Next time, we'll discuss some of the oldest, most legendary sea monsters and explore the possibility that they might still be alive today inside the Mariana Trench. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money. Up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. 
This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. Search To Die For in your podcast app to follow the show. As recently as the 19th century, scientists believed life couldn't exist in the deepest parts of the ocean. But Charles Darwin, the man who developed the theory of evolution, refuted that claim. He believed the depths of the ocean harbored fascinating ancient species he called living fossils. Essentially, Darwin theorized that the deep seas could be home to marine dinosaurs. While all land-roaming dinosaurs went extinct thousands of years ago, he suggested that those living in the ocean could have survived. But there was only one way to actually find out. Dive in. Charles Darwin's home country, England, led the way in oceanic exploration. On December 21, 1872, a British warship called the HMS Challenger set sail. But this was no ordinary warship. Its guns had been replaced with laboratories. Its mission wasn't conquest, it was science. The Challenger voyage was the world's first major oceanographic expedition. It had one purpose, to figure out what lay at the bottom of the ocean. To this end, the Challenger spent years traveling across the globe. It collected specimens off the sea floor and took ocean temperatures. It also measured ocean depth using a weighted rope. When the voyage began in 1872, the crew members were optimistic. Perhaps they'd find ancient oceanic creatures, like Darwin said. Or maybe they'd prove the existence of legendary sea monsters. But the Challenger's route was long. It was poised to travel around the Atlantic towards the southern tip of Africa, around Antarctica, and back up to Australia and New Zealand. In March 1875, Halfway through its voyage, the Challenger floated somewhere off the coast of Guam. By that point, the novelty of the trip had worn off. They'd been at sea for over two years. Every few days, they gathered specimens of useless oceanic sludge. Nevertheless, they continued their research. And on March 23, 1875, they made their first momentous discovery. While taking a routine depth recording, they lowered their weighted rope into the waters and... It went down one mile, then two, then three. And then they ran out of rope. The crew hadn't expected the water to be so deep. They tried lowering a thermometer to read the temperature, but it was so cold the glass cracked. They tried to measure the depth again, this time using a longer rope. They kept lowering until finally the rope hit bottom at about 26,000 feet. The crew had discovered the Mariana Trench, but finding the trench wasn't the end of the expedition's scientific breakthroughs. 
By the time the Challenger returned to England in 1876, it had collected over 4,700 specimens of previously undiscovered ocean life. Although the Challenger hadn't discovered any of Darwin's supposed living fossils, they confirmed the deep ocean wasn't a barren wasteland. They'd collected so much important data, and yet they still knew next to nothing about the Mariana Trench. The area was impossibly deep and populated by countless unknown creatures, because in the 1800s, they had no way to actually explore the bottom. Over time, scientists have gained a better understanding of the Mariana Trench. It lies in the Pacific Ocean about 1,400 miles east of the Philippines. It's a crescent-shaped canyon about 1,500 miles long and 43 miles wide, five times longer than the Grand Canyon and wider than the state of Rhode Island. At its deepest point, the Mariana Trench measures seven miles in depth. It's so deep that you could put Mount Everest inside and its peak would still be 7,000 feet from the surface. The Mariana Trench started forming around 50 million years ago when two tectonic plates collided. Tectonic plates are massive sections of the Earth's crust. They fit together like puzzle pieces and rest on top of the planet's mantle, the viscous layer of magma beneath the crust. Because the mantle is liquid, the plates on top of it move. This movement is imperceptibly slow, occurring over the course of millions of years. Although these plates shift slowly, they have an incredible impact on our planet. They're what causes earthquakes and volcanic eruptions. The Mariana Trench was created when the Pacific Plate collided with the Philippine Sea Plate. One forced the other beneath it, resulting in a deep sea trench. Although we know how the Mariana Trench was created, it remains one of the most mysterious places on Earth. Its conditions are so hostile that even today, few have ever explored it. More people have been to the moon than the Mariana Trench. For the most part, the rest of the deep ocean is just as unknown. Approximately 70% of the world is covered in water, but researchers have only mapped out about 5% of the world's seafloor. That means that around two-thirds of Earth is completely unexplored. Scientists only know so much about the creatures that inhabit the ocean's darkest waters. And they are totally dark. Sunlight can't shine beyond 3,300 feet, so past that, it's pitch black. And most ocean trenches sit about 20,000 feet from the surface, meaning they're some of the darkest places on Earth. Scientists call this deep region the Hadal Zone, after Hades, the ancient Greek name for the underworld. In addition to being pitch black, the Hadal Zone is ice cold. Not to mention, the water pressure in the Mariana Trench is 1,000 times greater than its sea level. That's 8 tons per square inch or the equivalent of an elephant standing on your thumbnail. The pressure is one of the main reasons that ocean trenches are so difficult to study. In order to see what's down there, researchers need specially designed remote-operated vehicles that can withstand the weight of the water above. And building that vehicle is easier said than done. 
As recently as 2014, submarines still had trouble traversing ocean trenches. That year, the unmanned vehicle Nereus explored the Kermadec Trench northeast of New Zealand. Without warning, it imploded. In mere seconds, the underwater pressure crushed the entire vessel. Had there been people aboard, they would have been pulverized. Building a vehicle that can make it to the deep ocean is difficult enough. But making one that can bring humans along is nearly impossible. That's why so few people have made it to the singular deepest part of the Mariana Trench, known as the Challenger Deep, after the ship that first discovered it. And that's also why the first people who went almost didn't make it back alive. Coming up, the first manned expedition to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. Once upon a time, I thought I met Mr. Wright. The only problem, he was a huge liar. You were going out of your mind because you couldn't figure it out. I'm Abby Ellen. Join me as I tell the story of one con man who entangled his lovers, friends, co-workers, family, and me in an identity fraud scheme that stretched all the way to the Pentagon. Season 2 of Imposters, The Commander, a Spotify original from Parcast, premieres Monday, September 13th. Follow and listen exclusively on Spotify. Now, back to the story. The Mariana Trench was first discovered in 1875, but it would take about 85 more years of trial and error before humans invented a vessel that could carry a person to the bottom of a deep-sea trench. In 1931, a Swiss physicist and inventor named Auguste Picard pioneered a high-altitude air balloon. This vehicle could go 10 miles into the sky, making Auguste the first human to enter the Earth's stratosphere. Having reached the highest heights, he then wondered if his designs could be used to explore the depths of the ocean. Picard designed what's called a bathyscaphe, a free-diving submarine. It was shaped like a cigar with a small cabin attached to the bottom. It was about 60 feet long and made of 15 tons of steel, enough to withstand immense pressure. The huge, cigar-shaped chamber was used to store substances that caused the bathyscaphe to sink or float. For sinking, it was filled with items denser than seawater, like iron pellets. For floating, it was filled with lighter objects like air or gasoline. They called the new vessel the Trieste. On January 23, 1960, the Trieste prepared to carry the first humans to the bottom of the Challenger Deep, the deepest point inside the Mariana Trench. The voyagers were U.S. Navy Lieutenant Don Walsh and Swiss oceanographer Jacques Picard, Auguste's son. Although about to make an historic dive, the Trieste was in rough shape. One of its telephones had been washed away in a storm and the tachometer, which measured the speed of the ship's descent, wasn't working. However, the crew was still determined to make history. At 8.23 a.m., Picard and Walsh climbed aboard their vessel and sealed the steel hatch. The Trieste began its dive. Picard and Walsh had work to do on their five-hour ride to the bottom to keep safe. Danger and death loomed around every corner. 
They checked the ship's oxygen and carbon dioxide levels so they had clean air. They monitored the water pressure to ensure their ship wouldn't implode. They noted the temperature inside and outside the ship so they wouldn't freeze to death. At 1,500 feet, it was completely dark. In the Trieste, one feeble lamp gave off just enough light for Picard and Walsh to read. On the underside of the vessel, a searchlight aimed down into the abyss. When switched on, it revealed a seemingly endless void. As they drifted further into the darkness, they heard a loud bang. The cabin shook. The men's hearts almost leapt out of their chests. Picard wondered if they'd collided with an undersea monster. The men heard tiny fracturing sounds. A large crack jutted across the plexiglass surface of the entrance hatch window. Picard and Walsh stared at the damage. It was a bad sign, but it didn't necessarily mean their mission was doomed. They were 30,000 feet below sea level, which was 80% of the way to the sea floor. Aside from the window, everything in the ship was behaving normally. Picard knew that if the crack was serious, they'd already be dead. So, he decided to continue the dive. At 1.06 p.m., the Trieste did what no vessel had ever done before. It landed on the floor of the Challenger Deep. As the Trieste came to rest, it kicked up a cloud of sediment. Picard and Walsh could barely see through the haze. But the divers did claim they saw a soul, a type of flatfish with a body as thin as a pancake. Scientists would later argue that a flatfish couldn't live so deep in the ocean and suggested that they must have seen something else, something unknown. But Walsh and Picard didn't have time to stay and find out. They only had enough oxygen to spend about 20 minutes at the bottom. Later, they discovered that the loud bang they heard was likely the ship's steel skeleton contracting under the extreme water pressure. This pressure was also what caused the plexiglass window to crack. They were lucky. It could have been much worse. If the window had shattered, water would have burst into the vessel with the force of an avalanche. Both men would have been pulverized. Due to safety concerns, the Trieste officially retired from deep-sea exploration after making its single historic dive. After Picard's and Walsh's groundbreaking adventure in 1960, no one traveled to the bottom of the Challenger Deep for over 50 years. During that time, safer submarines were created, but the risk of accidents or vehicle malfunctions remained high. In 2012, director James Cameron journeyed to the Challenger Deep. Since then, 19 more people have followed suit, making exploration of the Mariana Trench a very new phenomenon. In recent years, these expeditions have revealed more about the impact the deep ocean has on the rest of the planet. One 2011 study found that the Mariana Trench acts as something called a carbon sink. Carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas. This means it's a gas that both traps and radiates heat. Too much carbon dioxide in Earth's atmosphere contributes to faster and more extreme climate change. 
Carbon sinks are areas with a large concentration of plants and bacteria that help counteract this problem. Many plants and bacteria, both on land and in the sea, use carbon dioxide for energy. They trap and metabolize the gas before releasing fresh oxygen into the environment. They help maintain a global balance between carbon dioxide and oxygen. The Mariana Trench is one of the most important carbon sinks in the world. When plants and animals die in the ocean, their remains are rich with carbon. Over time, these remains break down and sink to the deepest parts of the ocean. There, this detritus is either eaten by bacteria or buried in the sediment. The end result is a lower level of carbon dioxide and a higher level of oxygen. In this way, the Mariana Trench is instrumental in regulating Earth's atmosphere. And on top of protecting the planet, the Mariana Trench also supports its own incredible ecosystem. It's a dark, cold, hazardous place, but it's also home to some of the most fascinating creatures ever discovered. And they've developed some terrifying traits. Coming up, the alien creatures who call the Mariana Trench home. Now back to the story. Although early scientists believed the deep sea was completely uninhabitable, modern researchers now know better. The Mariana Trench harbors a wide array of organisms. It takes a lot to live seven miles underwater. At that depth, it's too dark for plant life to survive. There's no distinction between day and night, and there's no changing seasons. Organisms don't feel the impact of natural disasters like hurricanes or ice ages. But all this is good news for deep-sea creatures. It means the environment is consistent. Very little has changed over the course of eons. There's just one downside. Finding food in the Mariana Trench can be incredibly difficult. There's only two dining options. The first is marine snow. This is carbon-rich detritus made up of dead plants and animals that fall from above. Scavengers feed on this oceanic debris. The other option is to hunt. In the dark of the deep ocean, this is no easy feat. So some creatures have developed a trait called bioluminescence. Bioluminescence is the ability to naturally glow in the dark. This occurs when certain chemical reactions take place inside of an organism and result in the production of visible light. Bioluminescence doesn't just help creatures see. For many, it's a hunting tactic. The light acts as bait to draw in unsuspecting prey. This is exactly how the deep-sea anglerfish finds its food. This fierce predator has a round body that's almost entirely its mouth. Its lips turn downward in a gaping frown, and its lower jaw juts out in a pronounced underbite. Its mouth is filled with rows of long, pointed teeth that are angled inward to trap prey. But the anglerfish's prey doesn't see its terrifying face. Protruding from the anglerfish's forehead is a spine with a glowing tip, like a light-up fishing pole. Mesmerized fish are drawn to this light. When they get close enough, the anglerfish strikes. 
and it can extend its mouth and stomach up to twice the size of its body in order to swallow food. In the pitch-black waters, vision is somewhat useless. Most deep-sea organisms have underdeveloped eyes that see little more than vague splotches of light. Some creatures have no eyes at all. But the barrel-eye fish is an exception to this rule. It has fully functional eyes located in a rather unusual place. As the barrel-eye fish swims towards its prey, it appears to have a head with two dark eyes on the front of its face, except they're not eyes. They're the fish's nostrils. Its real eyes are located inside its head near its brain. This works because the top of the barrel-eye fish's head is totally see-through. It resembles a glass dome like the cockpit of a plane. Inside this dome are two glowing green orbs, the fish's real eyes. They scan the water above for food. But even with this incredible adaptation, a good meal isn't guaranteed. Finding food is only half the battle. Catching it is even more important. The fang tooth has adapted to make sure it always catches its prey on the first try. Its mouth is lined with dozens of razor-sharp spikes, but its most iconic features are two large fangs in its lower jaw. The fangs are long enough that the fang tooth can't even close its mouth. If it did, it would impale itself with its own teeth. To accommodate, the fang tooth has a pocket behind its eye sockets where its fangs can slip in like swords entering their sheaths. For creatures who aren't bred for the hunt, there's another option. They grow to an enormous size, relatively speaking. Although it seems counterintuitive, being bigger actually means they can live on the tiny supply of food that the deep sea offers. This incredible growth is called deep sea gigantism. Scientists believe it has to do with limited resources, slow growth, and few predators. Larger bodies allow creatures to store more fat, which means they can go longer without a meal. They also tend to have lower metabolic rates, which means that they use less energy. A prime example of deep-sea gigantism is a creature known as the giant isopod. This species looks similar to a roly-poly or pill bug. But while a pill bug can fit on the tip of a finger, a giant isopod is about the size of a chihuahua. They can grow to over a foot long. Another example is the supergiant amphipod. Amphipods are similar to shrimp, and they're usually around an inch long. But the supergiant versions can grow ten times that size. And those aren't even the strangest examples of deep-sea gigantism. There's also xenophyophores. These creatures look similar to a crumpled-up ball of notebook paper. They're usually round, white, and covered in a hard exoskeleton. They can grow between 4 and 8 inches in diameter, and yet they're single-celled organisms. To put this in perspective, a human is made up of trillions of microscopic cells. Usually, single-celled organisms like bacteria are also tiny. But the xenophyophore is one gigantic cell. 
As a result of their size, they actually can't move. They just sit on the ocean floor for their entire lives. They wait for the detritus of dead animals to fall from the waters above. Then they cement the minerals together to form their exoskeleton. And xenophyophores aren't plants, animals, or fungi. They're protists, which is its own category of biological classification. Although they might sound like an alien species, they have plenty of company in the Mariana Trench. The deep sea is also home to creatures called holothurians, known more commonly as sea cucumbers. Sea cucumbers look like giant slugs. Their color ranges from brown to neon purple. Some can grow over six feet long. They have no discernible head, but on their underside, they have a mouth to suck mud off the ocean floor. Most of the time, sea cucumbers attach themselves to the sea floor using tiny rows of tube feet. But if they feel threatened, they detach from the sea floor and swim away, flapping and pulsating like a tongue licking the current. Living in the freezing dark waters is difficult enough, but the creatures who call the Mariana Trench home have to endure more than just cold temperatures. In areas of underwater volcanic activity, there are hydrothermal vents. Hydrothermal vents combine extreme heat with extreme cold. When two tectonic plates are either coming apart or colliding, water falls through the cracks in the earth into the fiery magma below. The water heats up and boils back to the surface, taking minerals and dissolved metals with it. It bursts through the crust into the freezing ocean, producing columns of water that can reach 750 degrees Fahrenheit. Some of these hydrothermal vents spew out thick black clouds of sulfur. When the minerals hit the cold water, they solidify. Over time, this sediment builds up into chimneys that can reach almost 18 stories high. They're like underwater castles, with scalding hot geysers billowing out of their spires. Submarine creatures don't avoid these poisonous chimneys, they thrive in them. Hydrothermal vents teem with species that depend on their minerals for survival. One of these species is the tube worm. Tube worms look like thick white ropes that are up to eight feet long. They cling to hydrothermal vents and feed off the minerals in the boiling water. The discovery of hydrothermal vents changed everything scientists knew about deep sea life. Before, they thought that life required sunlight for photosynthesis, the process by which plants convert light into energy. But creatures who live on hydrothermal vents use a process called chemosynthesis. They convert chemicals into energy, eating the toxic substances that the vents eject. It's an entirely different way of life, and it has stunning implications. If organisms can feed off of toxic chemicals, it's impossible to know what other strange ways animals might be able to survive. Researchers have barely scratched the surface of life inside the Mariana Trench. There's so much more to learn. In other words, there's so much that they don't know. It's believed that 91% of all life in the ocean has yet to be discovered. With each passing year, researchers learn more about the mysteries of the Mariana Trench, 
but there's still a very long way to go. And yet, scientists believe that ocean trenches hold the answers to some of humanity's biggest questions, like how life began on Earth. Not to mention, Charles Darwin might have been right. The deep ocean might be home to living fossils, marine dinosaurs that haven't evolved in millions of years. For all we know, there could be ancient species lying dormant, dozing in the endless dark. As humans continue exploring the deep ocean, these sleeping giants might make their presence known. Or maybe there are creatures even more fantastical, mythical beasts that humans have only glimpsed over the centuries. Perhaps it'll only take an earthquake, a deep-sea drill, or an unlucky explorer to wake them up. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We'll be back next time with part two of the Mariana Trench. We'll explore the monsters that once lived in ancient seas and that might still be lurking in the ocean's deepest waters. For more information on the Mariana Trench, amongst the many sources we used, we found Creatures of the Deep by Eric Hoyt extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Jay Cohen with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Kirsten Liu with writing assistance by Karis Allen and Connor Sampson. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerline and research by Bradley Klein. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. Thank you.